0: we were not going to cut their paycheck. So if an employee was uh, suddenly cut to 20 hours a week, they would still make their 40 hour paycheck every week. And that relieved a lot of people's tension that, hey, I'm, I'm actually gonna be okay.
1: I'm Glenys Markison from Happy Co. Welcome to Voices, where we feature fresh perspectives in multifamily. The industry is now facing a fundamental shift in workplace dynamics, resident experience, and business operations. In season two of Voices, we'll feature multifamily leaders who are actively embracing change. Our guest today is Owen Fleming, maintenance and capital projects manager at HNN Communities. Based in Bellevue, Washington, Owen has more than 23 years of work experience in multifamily housing, from acquisitions and renovations to new construction and environmental oversight. Today on Voices, he'll share strategies on advancing in the industry, embracing technology to solve problems, and managing maintenance teams, especially during a crisis like COVID-19. Thanks for joining us, Owen.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, I wanted to start by learning just a little bit about your background in multifamily. I mean, I understand you actually have a family connection to the business, so I'm kind of curious how that shaped your curiosity about the industry.
0: Yeah, I do. Uh, my parents got into multifamily. I guess I was maybe uh, single digits uh, in age at the time. Didn't pay much attention to it. It was uh just what they did for a living. And uh, typically they lived on site, uh, smaller sites at that time. This was uh, the late 80s. So I guess I grew up around it.
1: Yeah. I mean, were you helping them turn units or anything? Did it really get kind of hands on that way?
0: I do remember it a couple times uh, on the weekends um, where we would uh, maybe go in and paint a unit or uh, I'd watch them fix something in a a vacant unit. And it was just... uh, wasn't so much of a job at that point. Uh, it was just something that they did.
1: Yeah. And and did they teach you things about managing people? I mean, I imagine these were interesting dinnertime conversations.
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, I think uh, for me, it was just the normal dinnertime talk. So I didn't think anything else of it, but I, I did absorb the information in retrospect.
1: Yeah, I mean, do you remember them saying things about conflicts they had to help solve or or just the way you kind of encourage somebody to who really may not know what they're doing in the beginning?
0: Oh, yeah. Behind closed doors, there, there was always a conflict. You know, I, I can't believe that, that this person feels this way or would do that. But uh, there was also a lot of mentorship about how they can help people and encourage people to grow. Yeah, we're going to
1: get to growth in the industry. I mean, I'm curious at, at first, I mean, how did you take an interest in the operations side of multifamily? Was that were you learning anything about that in high school or college?
0: No, I wasn't. I actually uh, went to school for an entirely different career. Uh, I was going into multimedia development, and uh, my high school and early college was centered around that, photography, film, audio production, and, and website. So for me, getting into multifamily was just a way to pay the bills and save up money for college.
1: Yeah. I mean, do you, in working with your hands, though, did that kind of tinkering, do you think it it's now helping you, that kind of experimentation with machines and wiring and everything?
0: Definitely. I've always had a kind of a, a natural knack around uh, repairing things and uh, understanding how how physical devices work and are, are put together. So that, uh, that definitely played into it a little bit. But like I said, it, it wasn't what I was planning to do for a career.
1: Mm-hmm. But I understand that once you started, I mean, you, you made a career pretty quickly out of it and that you advanced quickly. So I'm just kind of curious for anyone listening, how do you think that you proved that you were so capable to managers?
0: Hard work. Come in every day, work your shift and and go out of the way, notice things, and take care of them without being asked. Just put the time and dedication in.
1: Yeah, and what does that look like? I mean, can you name some times where you really thought you kind of actively made a sacrifice, and you just knew it was the right thing to do, even if it was not the most convenient thing to do?
0: Well, I go back uh, 23 years here. Yeah, uh, you know, as, as a groundskeeper, I would notice things going on on the outside of the property. And even though during those days, the groundskeeper, they were just in charge of grounds. I, I would know things in the maintenance department and ask what I could do to uh, either learn how to do that myself and uh, take stress off the maintenance crew or or if it was something I knew how to do, I'd just take the initiative and get it done.
1: and then, did that always work with managers? I mean, did they sometimes say, "This guy's a little too hungry. <laughs> I don't know if I like that he's maybe looking for my role or or did you feel you really had a positive um, influence from above?
0: No, uh, I, I've been lucky. I've always had really positive influences from above that uh, that encourage that growth and and actually reward initiative.
1: Yeah, that's great. No, it's great to But hear I
0: I have seen it. Yeah, I, I've seen it in the industry where uh, where some people can feel threatened.
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely want to get to that later, how you're managing people. But I'm curious, too, along your growth path, you were really evidently pushing for the next best thing always in technology. So I'd love to know more about, maybe that's from your high school and college experience, but why you felt technology could be a real game changer in multifamily. And and if you also sense that not all of your colleagues were necessarily on the same page.
0: Yeah, I guess maybe uh, I've always been interested in technology from from a young kid. But uh, I, I guess that might be a takeaway from my schooling as well, where in, in multimedia and and production and, and website design, you're always kind of designing for the next thing that comes out. Uh, it, it's not a stagnant industry by any means.
1: Yeah, I know. That's fascinating. I mean, did you see that as you said, hey, we, should we try this software or do you think this will actually save us time that that everybody was always on the same page? Or can you just describe some of that either tension or acceptance of, of your ideas that way to push for tech?
0: Yeah, not everybody was always on the same page. Uh, th- there's very much a, this is how we've always done it, so why can't we continue doing it this way mentality, uh, e- even today. And sometimes that takes a little bit to, uh, to break through. But usually once you teach the... Uh, the background and give them the understanding of why the change is necessary. They're, they're accepting of it.
1: Yeah. Is that the kind of fear that the results won't be as valuable as they were with a manual method or is it more that they'll break something? Cause that's what I'm curious too. When someone resists technology, like what, what do you think their main hesitations are?
0: Uh, you know, there is some fear that maybe they'll break something, but the uh, the primary fear that I've always encountered is fear of the technology itself. It's it's just an unknown thing that they haven't dealt with.
1: Yeah, and so to ease them into a place of kind of comfort around that, does it does it usually feel that showing the results is the kind of best way, or is it maybe more one-on-one instruction?
0: I, I actually use both. Uh, some people respond a lot better to that one-on-one, hands-on instruction, and some people... Uh, They just have a natural knack to be able to dive in and play around with it, Uh, kind of this no-fear attitude.
1: Yeah, and I'm curious if we could get a before and after kind of picture. If you look at something like work orders, can you describe the kind of hurdles that you face doing it in a manual style and then having picked up a technology solution, just really how that's changed?
0: Oh, for sure. Uh, Just recently, we switched over to tasks. And prior to that, we were doing hand-printed work orders through Yardy, which it worked, but it was bulky. Uh, the office would be involved; they'd have to print out copies of the work order, and if there was any sort of a, a change after the initial print was created, they would have to find that work order. Good luck if it's already in the field. Uh, if it's in the field, they're they're creating a second work order for the same unit and and make those changes, and make sure everybody's up to date, and it took a lot of time and. Sometimes work orders get lost. You just don't know where they've gone.
1: Right. And what what about the transparency at that point? I mean, are there just does that you can't see something, and then you kind of aggress on somebody, or you ask questions? Like, what does that lack of oversight maybe do for the culture side of things?
0: Oh, it's hard. Um, Yeah you you have to uh, to do weekly audits or sometimes daily audits, depending on the size of the property and how much uh, how much work order load that comes in. And then, uh, you've got to go through your bins every morning. We've, we've got a large property that deals sometimes 60, 70 work orders a day. And they were taking an hour and a half every morning just to, uh, to audit the prior day's work orders, make sure there was no reprints, make sure that everybody had their, uh, their assigned duties for the day and, uh, and keep track of everything. And then, you know, on top of that, they have to look at what they have printed out and compare it to what's on the computer. And if something's not printed out, then they have to print that out and figure out uh, who didn't do their job.
1: Right. And I imagine, I mean, with tasks, are you now saving time or kind of easing the scheduling process in ways you just really couldn't before? I mean, I imagine you're able to spend time very differently.
0: Yeah. Tasks has been an absolute lifesaver. That, that large property that I mentioned, we, uh, we were using tasks for I think four hours before they reached out to me and thanked me for how much time it's saving.
1: Wow. No, that's amazing. I mean, I'm curious, especially in a in a COVID era where we find ourselves, how is how important is it to have data you can actually trust with so many other things changing? Why does it feel like this is really especially the time that you can trust the reports you're looking at?
0: Oh, it's absolutely invaluable. Uh, especially in COVID, we, uh, we can log on and right now in COVID, we've got uh, for the protection of our staff some, uh, some measures in place where we're not completing all work orders. If it's not a, a high priority, if it's something that can wait, we're putting it on hold status. But uh, it it gives us a dashboard where we can see portfolio wide what's on hold, what's still being completed and and uh, how quickly the staff is uh, responding to those urgent or priority requests.
1: Yeah. And were some of these I mean, you don't have to name names, but were some of these supervisors perhaps a bit skeptical at first and perhaps during covid, you're seeing people say, you know what, this is actually the thing we need right now. Or are you still you've got some skeptics in the room?
0: Uh, we still have a couple skeptics in the room, but uh, we're we're getting through that. And we've got some that uh, dove right in; they love it. And some that uh, you know maybe took them a couple days of playing around with it. And once they uh, once they played around with it and realized that they can assign these tasks from anywhere to anybody, they came back and went, you know what, this is great.
1: Wow. I bet you felt good as a manager pushing for this, (laughs) embracing it.
0: Well, honestly, I knew it was going to happen eventually.
1: (laughs) Oh, good. Okay. See, that's the confidence that brought you to the Voices stage today. (laughs) (laughs) I'm also curious. So let's, let's talk management during COVID kind of in general. If you could just spell out what you feel have been the main challenges from scheduling people on site to keeping them safe all of those things. What are what are the kind of biggest challenges you've seen, and how you've really worked to overcome them in a maintenance specific level?
0: Well, uh, going back to I guess March when when everything first hit, and there there was a lot of uncertainty in the world at that point uh, over the virus, and everybody, I think industry wide, really struggled as to what the the right thing was um, for their employees, for the residents, and uh, and yeah, it led to a lot of overnight policies being developed and how h H&M and communities handled it was we, uh, we decided to break our teams up a little bit on site uh, for their safety. So by breaking them up, we would work them in shifts, uh, one day on one day off, or, you know, it's up to the the portfolio manager for the site, but uh we split these teams up with the hopes that uh, if one team had a COVID exposure and they had to quarantine, the second team could step in and still run the property. And we even had a backup plan on top of that where sister properties were trained in, uh, in the the functions of other properties and how to gain access and get keys. I guess fortunately on that end, we use technology pretty widely. So every property uses the exact same systems and methods and, and policies and procedures. So that wasn't too far of a stretch for us to be able to say, hey, if if property A goes offline and, and the team has to quarantine, property B is going to step in and run it.
1: Wow, that's very coordinated. I mean, in terms of these specific communication platforms you're using, like how does a maintenance tech know when he's working and what to do that day? He's getting emails, he's getting calls or it's in tasks, like just like the nitty gritty, I think would be helpful for people to hear.
0: Yeah, all of the above. Uh, every one of our our employees has a name based email assigned to them. And they can log in from anywhere and check that. So that that's really still our primary communication means um, company wide for for scheduling and uh, and person to person to communication. That's not urgent, we'll just send an email. So there's documentation on it. But on top of that, we also widely use uh, voice platforms and and uh, more your face to face meeting platforms that go to Connect and Zoom and uh, Microsoft Teams. We're uh, we're not really limiting the employees on which platform they, uh, they have to use.
1: Yeah, I bet they've been grateful for that. And I'm curious too, I mean, especially with face-to-face, with video, you're able to kind of communicate tone pretty well. Like, this is my expectation, and are there challenges for you to meet it? But a lot of what could be happening with all this tension around the air and COVID is that you're going to have conflicts. And so I'm just really curious if you can talk about the way you're helping people with that stress on your, your teams. And also when something does happen and there is a bit of a, a feud, how you're, you're reaching out and, and talking to people about it.
0: Yeah. That's uh, those technologies that allow like you to speak face to face are incredible. And, and you're right. They, they do help with uh with the tone that an email can't always uh, communicate. And Let's say, so it. it's nice to see people's faces nowadays because a lot of us are working remotely or we don't get that chance to see our team on a daily basis like we once did. But, uh, yeah, you know, there, there was a lot of uncertainty in the early days and you could, you could tell, you could look at people and tell that they were stressed out. They, uh, they didn't know if the company was going to be okay, if there was going to be layoffs, and and you're watching the news, and it's just doom and gloom on the news of of companies laying off and people being sent home, and nobody collecting paychecks, and uh, that scares a lot of people. So early on, uh, as a leadership team, and we got together with HR, and we made the decision that, yeah, we were going to cut cut people's hours and uh, keep them, try and keep them off site for their safety but we were not going to cut their paycheck. So if an employee was uh, suddenly cut to 20 hours a week, they would still make their 40-hour paycheck every week. And that relieved a lot of people's tension that, hey, I'm, I'm actually going to be okay.
1: I'm also curious, um, just diving into that HR lens on things, I don't know that I've heard a lot about HR and maintenance working very closely in a company, and I would love to, to see that more in multifamily, but why Why do you think that this has really proven a great collaboration between your HR team and your maintenance side at HNN? Like, how did you guys really start talking during COVID to help techs on the ground? And beyond the the hours and the pay, what other things has HR done to really improve the, the mental space of the people on the front lines?
0: Yeah, I, I think there's a stigma around HR uh, through a lot of companies that uh, they're, they're like this big brother oversight. And that's not the case at all. Um, at H&N, H&M, HR has always been, uh, been highly involved in the development of, uh, of the employees. Um, and, and until recently, they actually acted uh, as, as a training department for us as well. So they, they've always been very hands-on.
1: Yeah. And so when COVID struck, I mean, what did you ask them and what did they ask you about the needs of people on the front lines? I really understand there's at H&N particularly, there's a great, there are health benefits that weren't there before. Um, Can you kind of share some of those? Because I think that that's really novel. And I bet in this second wave of COVID would be, I think, reassuring to a lot of people.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, From the get go, HR started asking what they can do for the employees. And, and, uh, We would send out uh, questionnaires, um, anonymous questionnaires, I think every, every couple weeks uh, to the entire company and they would get the responses back and tally them up. And it was things like, what are you most worried about uh, with, with your current situation and uh, all the way down to how are, if you have children, how are you dealing with the schools being closed? So they they really through these questionnaires tried to dive into what's uh, what's happening with all of our employees in their in their work lives and in their their lives away from work and got got a whole bunch of data out of these questionnaires that allowed them to say okay so we're seeing this uh, this big uncertainty around childcare and if they have young children at home how that's going to affect their work schedule. So then, they started looking for solutions to these problems, and we're able to approach our healthcare providers and roll out a additional benefits package that has ultimately cul- culminated in um, in uh, childcare assistance and uh, get get something like ten days that uh, you can have emergency childcare that's taken care of and tutoring assistance for uh, for employees' childrens.
1: Yeah, that's really remarkable. I mean, it does seem at a lot of companies, it's very cut and dry. You work and you give your service and then you get money in return. But you've done a lot at HNN to make an employee feel like their whole self is respected? And, and what kind of feedback are you getting from people who've benefited from all of these new programs?
0: You're getting really good feedback from them. Um, they, they just feel appreciated. And uh, you look outside the industry and there's not a lot of places that are doing this yet. You're right. You, you're expected to come in, do your shift and go home, and you're going to get a paycheck in return and probably some medical and dental benefits and, and a 401k.
1: So closing up, I mean, I'm curious, it sounds like what you learned about management from your parents and the skills you developed on the ground, your hunger for technology, I mean, that's all really helping you thrive right now. So I'm just kind of curious, since technology clearly isn't going anywhere, what kinds of problems are you excited to solve with it
0: going forward? Yeah, we, uh, we wouldn't have been able to do any of this without technology from our IT department setting up uh, managers and leasing agents with the ability to work from home and receive uh, incoming calls on the business lines at home to uh, remote inspections and remote management of work orders. The the technologies really allowed us to stay in the game and stay on top of everything when we haven't been able to physically be on site or go into units. So it's not going anywhere. It's here to stay. And I, I think now we, uh, the big challenge is figure out when things return to normal, how we're going to keep implementing this technology into our daily work style while being on site.
1: Yeah. And does that come up with compliance? Does it come up with kind of sidewalk curb appeal? I mean, I'm curious on the specifics. Like you really, you have a lot of avenues to go with. I think now that you have the support from people.
0: Yeah, we do. Uh, it, it ties into everything um, from, from leasing to maintenance curb appeal, compliance, uh, corporate management, um, everybody being able to get into the same system and see what's going on at any given time is incredible. Yeah,
1: Owen, thank you so much for joining me on Voices. I mean, this was really a a great time to have you and hear about the management and technology mix that you've been really brewing very successfully.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on.
1: If you'd like to hear from other Voices in Multifamily or learn how to share your voice, head to voices.happy.co. You can find Voices on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify or your favorite podcast player. Voices is produced by HappyCo, the leading real-time property operations platform for multifamily and student housing. We're on a mission to elevate property management to community management, prioritizing staff and resident well-being. That starts by listening to you, the voices of multifamily. I'm Glennis Mercuson. Thanks for listening. Also, feel free to take a minute and rate or review this podcast that will help assure the voices of multi-family